Hey everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Mark Cassini, your new host and Product Marketing Manager at Voices. As part of the series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. My very first guest as host is Abigail Rodriguez, Product Marketing Manager at Gameloft, freshly trained chocolatier. At Gameloft, Abby owns and drives go-to-market strategies, product positioning, and marketing campaigns for some of Gameloft's biggest mobile titles. Even if you've never heard of Gameloft before, there's a good chance you've downloaded and played one of their immensely popular mobile or PC games. With 18 studios around the world and over 1.5 million downloads per day, Gameloft is a leader in the gaming space with hits like Asphalt, Oregon Trail, and Modern Combat. They've also formed some amazing partnerships with brands like Disney, Marvel, Hasbro, and Mattel. In other words, if you want to get into product marketing at a global company that reaches millions of people every day, there are a few better places to work than Gameloft. I'm really excited to have Abby on today because she and I actually work together at a small game studio here in Southwestern Ontario, and we even studied business at the same school. She's an incredibly talented and creative person, so I'm excited to hear what she has to say about product marketing and gaming. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into it. I'm really excited to have Abby on today because she and I actually work together at a small game studio in Southwestern Ontario, and we even studied business at the same school. She's an incredibly talented and creative person, so I'm excited to hear what she has to say about product marketing and gaming. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into it. So, Abby, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's nice to have a fellow Canadian product marketer on the show. Nice. Right on. So, I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you, and we'll, we'll just get started. How's that sound? Sounds good. Great, great. So, you know, I, I gave a bit of a brief overview in the intro of what you do at Gameloft, but would you mind telling our listeners a little bit more about what you do as a PMM there? Yeah, sure. So as a PMM at Gameloft, what we're really doing is we're making sure games and development are ready for launch on various platforms um, and also really thinking ahead in terms of game updates. So you're working closely with everyone from production to uh, creative teams trying to get trailers and cool marketing collateral out. Um, and you really want to make sure that you're establishing your presence out on the app stores if you're on the mobile platforms, um, making sure you're finding the right audience, telling them that this is going to be their next favorite game, um, and also seeing the uh, overseeing the spread of marketing efforts over like influence campaigns, social media, and just like your user acquisition. That's incredible. So it sounds like you got your hands on a, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right definitely, on. You're definitely busy. That's great. So obviously gaming is an industry that a lot of people are fascinated with. People love playing games. Everybody at some point I think has touched a game at some point in their lives. And I'm sure people are always asking you, you know, how did you get into gaming? And, you know, seeing as gaming isn't a traditional destination for product marketers, what was it about product marketing in the gaming space that appealed so much to you? Yeah. Um, so honestly, I got really, really lucky. I kind of stumbled into it uh, working on a thesis project with another game studio that had a business need. And I didn't even consider working in games at all. I mean, outside of art and development, I am neither of those two things. I didn't think I had a shot, but uh, obviously they need marketing people. They, they're creating trailers and they're communicating with you. Um, but when I was working with the, the studios and even all the other studios that followed, what I loved the most about the space is that um, you get to use what you're traditionally taught in. You know, you, you have a business degree or for me a poli-sci degree also um, you get to use what you've learned um, and then also take what you love about games and like what you know as a consumer and then really flex your creative chops I mean I, I don't know if I'll be able to find another job that's so creatively demanding um, you get to work on everything from amazing marketing trailers to like you know foundational stuff you know getting your positioning your USPs KSPs all of that fun metrics um, and you're also working so cross collaboratively that it's never going to be a dull moment um, and you're never going to be bored so that's something that for me really appeal to me because uh, you get to work on so many different things all at once yeah that sounds incredibly challenging but also yeah. super exciting at the same time 
So you mentioned just as you're chatting there about, you know, this need to flex your creative muscles and, and how do you balance that against some of the more, let's say, traditional logical approaches that we're often taught in business schools to be very objective. How do you, how do you balance that creative side against that need to be very much about what do the numbers say or, or what are our customers saying? Let's be very direct. How do you balance those two things? Yeah, that one's a really, really hard one, especially because, you know, being a PMM, you're in the middle of people who are very, very analytical. And then those who are very like, you know, high level marketing. Um, so it, it is really hard to balance that. And you just have to kind of what I do is I try to always corroborate what we're seeing in the numbers in terms of what the game and the product actually is um, and trying to kind of do right by the game and trying to really just look at and see how to marry the two together uh, better. Actually, you know what? This is a really bad example. Can I start again? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Sorry. No worries. Go ahead. I'm trying to think of how to say this well. So can you, what was the question again? It was, how do you... So how do you balance that, you know, need to constantly be, be flexing your creative muscles in such a creative industry against, you know, the more traditional or logical approaches to solving problems that you're often taught in business school? Hmm. Yeah. Okay, this one's actually, I'm actually trying to figure this out right now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's 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 a big question. Um, okay, so I know what I'm going to say. All right. Okay, go for it. Okay. Um, so when you're trying to solve these problems, you know, using your traditional methods and you have this, such a creative space, um, you always try to, I, what I try to do is I always try to zone in on the audience and trying to see what it is that they're doing. What are they responding to? What else are they playing? Uh, what, it, what available data do I have in terms of how they're behaving with other similar competitors or things like that? And I always try to frame it in that lens. And I always want to make sure that what we're producing makes sense for the game. I mean, you've seen in mobile space, there's a huge trend for creating like dishonest fake game ads and things like that. And they just don't make sense, but they're, they are driving numbers. Like they're obviously driving droves. So you're trying to contextualize that. What I do is I look at where those games are, you know, are they early in their game development? Are they late? You know, does, it, does this move make sense for us? Um, and oftentimes for me, no, it doesn't because, you know, you want to, you want to be able to showcase the game in the best possible light and really kind of be an advocate for the product. Um, so it's really just a, a question of balancing and trying to establish what it, what is it about these metrics that are, are giving you those numbers? Why is that happening? And do those rules apply to you? And if they don't, it doesn't make sense to lean into that. I don't know if that answered the question. No, absolutely. So I was just going to say, it, it's interesting. It's kind of it's kind of like you're having to distill the noise between what your competitors are doing or what other games are out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the numbers are telling you against what your customers, your players are telling you. And I think that's a problem that a lot of product marketers find in their own industry anyway. So I think that's a common kind of pain point that a lot of us feel. So um, happy to hear that it's not, uh, it's not just... You're not alone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Others are feeling it too. So... Aside from, again, that need to balance the, you know, the logical side of things and the creative side of things and, and all that noise, what are the other side of more unique challenges specific to gaming that you feel you face as a product marketing uh, person? Mm. Honestly, it's, so going back to the creative thing, this is going to be a common thread throughout your whole PMM career in games. Um, one of the challenges is, so like I mentioned, you you work cross-collaborative, you're working with people on production, you're working with people from, you know, your your IP stakeholders or everyone, just working on it with everyone. Um, and you, as a PMM, have to keep both eyes on the creative landscape. You have to check out um, your trailers, your ads, your competitive landscape, um, what the mobile marketing trends are, what the general you know, video game marketing trends are. And you have to sort of take all that noise and truncate into something that's going to be able to be applied to your product. And when you're translating all of that information into slick 
marketing collateral, you have to get the plus one from everyone um, and communicate all of this information out to people, which is very difficult. Uh, because sometimes, you know, if you're working with uh, a developer who's working a feature, they might not be as creative or they might not understand the, the value of like, you know, showcasing one feature over the other. Um, so you have to communicate that out. And that's, of, that's often very challenging. And when you're putting things together and trying to get the plus one, um, everyone's going to have their own take and everyone has such a very, they have a very subjective eye for quality. So trying to take all that information and, and kind of give everyone their say, but then also trying to keep in mind what you know for the trends. Um, it's, it's often very challenging to sort of come together to drive something, um, but it always works out in the end. And honestly, everyone is just trying to make sure that we're all putting our best foot forward. So it, of, it often works out really well, but it's just like a very long process and it's definitely a challenge. Oh, I can imagine. And it, it, like you said, it is nice. And one of the unique things about working in games, I think you and I have both experienced is this common goal of just wanting to put, like you said, your best foot forward or the best game out there for your players. Cause everyone is so passionate about games. Yeah. And, and I wanted to just focus on something you said, cause it kind of made me laugh. I think, you know, as product marketers in traditional, let's call them B2B spaces. Like I find myself in, we're so often being given features or updates to our products that are kind of like, meh, like, you know, it's, it's easy for the developers and their product team to get super excited about them. Cause it's, you know, this really hard maybe development challenge that they had to solve, but we know it's not really going to move the customers uh, or the needle for the customers. And we're then asked to go, you know, go, go market it, go get some excitement. Uh, but it sounds like your experience is almost the opposite where, you know, you're focusing on this feature that, you know, your players going to be really excited about, but the developers might just be like, yeah, I don't know why you're going to want to build a marketing campaign or some marketing messaging around this, but I, I guess so. And you kind of have to sell them on that creative aspect, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. And, and like you said, very unique to games. Yeah. Cool. So, um, you know, I just want to, again, you talked about creative being a throughput of this whole conversation because, you know, the gaming industry is such a creative space and, you know, you, you often have to work with creatives in your organization and externally as well. And I noticed, you know, even in your job description at Gameloft, you, you partner with some external creative agencies on different creative campaigns. So can you tell me a little bit more about how product marketing fits into that relationship? Yeah. Um, so whether or not you're working with the external agencies or even, in-house. So at Gameloft, we have um, quite a few in-house teams across the globe. So you're working with a large number of people on on creatives. Um, This is where the foundational stuff really shines. So this is where things like your positioning, your audience segmentation, um, and, you know, your core marketing pillars are really going to come through. And I almost look at it as sort of creating sales enablement documents for your sales team, because these guys are going to take what you're doing um, from a strategic standpoint and translating them into actionable things that people can actually digest and understand within like the first three seconds, because some trends show if they don't, if you don't hook them in three seconds, they're out. So you really want to make sure that you're telling all of everyone you're working with exactly what kind of feeling you want to evoke, what it is you're trying to say per segment and trying to make sure that all of these creatives and collateral actually reflect that. Um, Because, you know, like I said, you have three seconds to get your hook and then they're out. So um, you you have to to make sure that you have all of your foundational stuff down pat and that you can stand by it 100%. Yeah. And I I commend, you know, product marketers in in general in the gaming space, because I think you're exactly right. You know, because people are often you know, scrolling through through their phone, through the app store, or they're seeing a mobile ad, you know, as an interstitial, you really only have them for those three seconds. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in the B2B space, maybe you've got, you know, more of a sales pitch lined up and you've got someone on the phone or you're going back and forth through email. So you have more time to kind of make that sell. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, like I said, hats off to, to you <laughs> in the gaming space, because that's a challenge that um, I, I think would scare a lot of product marketers away. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's the good thing is that you know there's so many trends out there, and then you you have a very clear example in terms of, like what doesn't work. I mean, there's even a subreddit and like shitty mobile ads. So as long as you don't end up on that, you're you're fine. <laughs> That's awesome. So stay away from that space. As long yeah. as you're not there, you're good. That's yeah. awesome. So you know you're you're working with these creative external agencies, but you're also you know working with some pretty huge global brands. Um, so how does working with some of the world's most you know well known and closely guarded IPs? change your go-to-market or positioning for your specific title? Yeah. So normally with games, if you're, or, you know, products generally, if you're going to be making, you know, a non-branded game, you can create your your positioning, you can create your space and you're, you're good to go. You have your segments, you're good. Um, but when you're working with brands, uh, typically they have their own positioning within whatever genre of IP that they're in. Uh, and then they often have their own audience that is attracted to that IP. Then when you're making a game for them, you typically have a subset of an audience that isn't normally attracted to the IP, but they are attracted to the genre. So then you're trying to create essentially a position that's going to capture both um, and trying to do right by the, the brand, kind of fit in within their own creative guidelines and their own guidelines for their marketing positioning as well. Um, and it, there's going to be a lot of dialogue and a lot of back and forth to be able to establish your positioning. It's not something you can just like do on your own and then on launch day, like, okay, here it is. Ta-da. You have to make sure you're checking in with them a year in advance, six months, like honestly, monthly even. So it's something that you really have to work really closely with your partners on. Um, and you're going to get challenged a lot in some things, which is great because it helps really kind of get build a robust positioning statement. Um, and with the go to market, again, it's not like if development is behind, you can be like, okay, well, we're just going to launch it next month. It's not as simple as that. Uh, these things are often locked in a year in advance, if not more. Um, and, you know, a lot of these IPs, they tend to have their own products coming out on the horizon that may not be game related, but they may be like, you know, a book related or something, you know, within that space whether it's a product itself. So they might have the next installment coming out. So you want to uh, make sure that you're not going to step on their toes. And there's it's it's so hard to lock down a flight, but um, you're going to hear the word synergy thrown out a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's, as long as you can, you know, open up dialogue with them early and often, you can find something that works with uh, with everyone, but it's not something that you can just own by yourself. It's, it's very, we work very closely with our brands. Yeah, I'd imagine you'd have to. And you don't have to get into these specifics here and put anybody on blast, but have you had those experiences where you and the team have been, you know, working really hard on this specific go-to-market plan or positioning or piece of messaging and you bring it back to your person just like, yeah, that's not it. Like, has that ever happened to you? And how do you pivot from oh, that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's happened at every level. I think whether I'm just showing it internally um, to my managers or like, you know, or out like to the partners that, that has happened because sometimes, and for me, you know, maybe it's just like, you just don't recognize or the value of one particular aspect of the brand. I mean, we're not always going to be experts in the brand um, or like they'll, they'll tell me like, this is not going to work. This is like a non-starter and that's fine. Um, I, I think it is a challenge and it is a bit disappointing because you're like, oh, damn, I worked really hard on this. But then you realize, no, there's obviously a good reason. And they're more than willing to share why it's not going to work for them. Um, and then you can take that and, you know, you can find yourself being more creative because you have the clear constraints. And then you can obviously find something great that works. That's awesome. Cool. So I, I want to shift gears a little bit because you mentioned and we talked about earlier this sense of, you know, the competitive landscape, what other games are doing. So mm -hmm. I really want to just, you know, ask you a couple questions about this sense of competition in the gaming space as a PMM. So, you know, I, I think... It goes without saying, you know, the app stores are incredibly crowded. Everybody's got an app these days. Everybody's in the app store. You know, you can log into either app store um, and, and you scroll for days and days and days. So as a product marketer, what do you do to ensure that your games, uh, sorry, your studio's games stand out amongst this giant crowd of, of games that are all battling for your player's attention? Yeah. 
Um, so the thing that most PMMs in the mobile space are going to do is what we call app store optimization or ASO. So that's like the biggest thing that you can do. It's almost like SEO for apps. So with app store optimization, it's a kind of quite a complex ecosystem. But what you're going to do is you're going to make sure that you know your game or your app is ranking well, and that's going to show up you know high on the the homepage that's ranking well in this category or subcategories, for example, if you have a banking app, you know, obviously you want it to rank high in banking, but also maybe in productivity because that is going to help you manage your life better. Um, and then you also want to do things like making sure you're getting the right keywords and then you're updating your collateral uh, often and, you know, according to game updates. But there's also another backend thing where you're going to work really closely with your game teams um, or, you know, even your developer team if you're just generally in mobile because you want to work on things like getting featured. So, Featuring is a huge thing for apps or everyone tries to get featured and that creates a huge uplift for installs and that that involves making sure that you know you're working with their game teams to uh, make sure that you have great uh, your crash rates not high or that you know you're everyone's be able to install it well and that there's a lot of like small like user friendly things that PMMs don't typically work with every day but you still kind of want to remind the game teams like hey like let's make sure we're good with that um, but yeah so the app store is where you want to stand out for sure. Uh, but then also there are other things you can do, like a lot of awareness and brand awareness for the game. Like people are trying to do amazing things um, with influencer campaigns. Like so many game companies are trying out different things. Um, you know, we have so many more platforms and with TikTok, there's great collaborations to be had. Um, and it's, it's really fun to see where the, where the games are going. So again, just briefly um, before we move on to our next topic here, this, this concept of competition, I think, is really fascinating in gaming because it's not like, again, traditional B2B or even B2C in, in some other industries where you can pretty quickly, easily identify who your direct competitors are. Maybe they sell the same product as you. Maybe they sell a, an alternative solution to yours, but still somewhat similar. But with gaming, you're really competing for people's attention. So how does that change or complicate things you as a product marketer when you, you know, if you look at competing for attention, that could be almost anything. And how do you approach competition with that in mind? Yeah, it's it is a very crowded space. I mean, I the way I see it, it's not that I'm competing with other games. You're competing with entertainment generally, because what you really want are people's time, and you want their passion and their and their input, right? So, um, it's it's a really hard one, and it is very competitive. But in spite of that, I still think that there are some. I still feel very optimistic about it um, because the thing is with the, the good thing is with games and stuff is that you can you can very easily download the other competitors and you can do your own research and then you can decide and is this something you want to lean into and capture that audience as well if there are similarities or do you want to just actually use that as a differentiator and lean as far away from it as possible. Um, and what this means is that, you know, for me, I have a lot of conversations with your our producers or the game teams. Um, try to get involved there. And then it's a conversation, the bigger conversation that you have to have strategically together. It's not something that PMMs can just own on their own. And I don't recommend owning it on your own. Uh, but, you know, just working with the game teams to understand, is this something you want to compete with directly? Or is this kind of something you want to just kind of differentiate yourself with at all? And then just kind of create your cases and, you know, more quickly identify where it is you're able to win. I don't think it makes sense to try to win everywhere. Uh, so it's just kind of helping you laser focus where you want to compete in. Awesome. Thanks for that. All right. So just moving on to our last topic here before we, before we wrap up, I've got a couple of questions around, you know, how do you approach your customers in this gaming space and, and how do you manage that relationship? Because I know you and I, like I said earlier, we work together at the same studio um, and the players of the games that we were fortunate to work on were incredibly passionate, you know, talking about people who've played the games for upwards of a decade or more. Um, and in product marketing, we always talk about, you know, being the voice of the customer, but 
I think being the voice of a customer for a B2B solution that someone's maybe touching once or twice a day is a lot different than, you know, being the voice of the customer for players who are playing your games several hours a day, sometimes, you know, every day of the week, if not, if not even more than that in some instances. So how do you manage and balance that kind of passion and feedback to uncover actionable insights for the titles that you support? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, games were, I think games are never going to not have feedback. Um, and there is such an overwhelming feedback uh, that we get. So the thing is, um, whenever we do updates or when we launch, you know, you're going to get a slew of feedback and, you know, they're quite vocal from the players. So sometimes it's very easy to feel like they're the vocal majority when in fact they might be the vocal minority. Uh, so what we do then is, you know, we have to sort of be gatekeepers to the feedback so that, you know, we don't stress out the game teams. We don't kind of, we don't, we reduce the chaos. Uh, so what I do is what I, what I always try to do is I get into the back end of the games and, you know, understand the player behavior and see and corroborate the, feedback that I'm getting. So there's lots of different tools that I have. We have our you know insights tools that we build or that we uh, integrate into the games. We have our customer care that we um, can work with and you know see are you seeing spikes and anything like that. Um, and then we you know work with the product managers to see you know if if it's an issue of things like rebalancing or people finding it too difficult and how many players this is affecting really. So just working with as many teams as possible uh, to kind of problem solve before you start escalating things before you start building out your roadmap. Uh, because one thing I've noticed is that if you take in all the feedback that you're going to get and if you don't prioritize it, your roadmap is going to change significantly and then it's just going to be really hard to manage. Um, and that's something you obviously want to avoid. So trying to just using whatever tools you have and corroborating the the feedback that you're getting is, is really a big help for our teams. Yeah, I, I find that so incredibly fascinating because I think, like I said, uh, you know, in the B2B side of things, we, we're craving customer feedback sometimes or we're dying for it. Like we, sometimes we have to beg customers, we even have to incentivize them and sometimes offer yeah. them, you know, Amazon gift cards or, or coupons just to give us, you know, 10, 15 minutes of your time. But in the, in the gaming space, like you said, you're almost being bombarded constantly with feedback. And it's, you know, so, so for people on the B2B side, you know, it's not always greener on the, uh, the grass isn't always greener. Um, sometimes you go from not having enough feedback to getting so much and even know where to begin. So it's interesting to hear some of the tools you mentioned and how you kind of, you know, like we said earlier, cut through that noise. Um, because that, like you said, I feel like it can be overwhelming at times. Mm. Um, Especially because game teams, they put a lot of heart and soul into it, you know, and you obviously want to see it be a success. Um, and when you've been working on something that you're creating something like day in, day out, um, the feedback, you know, you want to make sure it's constructive and that you're, you can action on them. Um, but what I love about being in the game space and getting all this feedback is that it almost sort of trains you to become a product manager. Even you have to learn how to work with them, learn how to use the tools just like them. So there's a lot of overlap in skills. And I, and I really, really enjoy that about, about the role. Oh, I can imagine. And I think you hit on a really interesting insight that I just want to focus on. Like you talked about earlier, these are incredibly creative people working on this game, whether it's the artists, whether it's the developers, whether it's, you know, the marketers, these are creative people and, and they're all so passionate about that game being successful. So, you know, for, for anyone who's played a game and has been frustrated or who's complained or who's wanted to reach out to the studio and not say very nice things, like keep in mind, these are people who, who just want to put out their best product out there. Um, you know, and I think as a product marketer, sometimes, you know, we look at the product we're selling as the job, right? You, you show up, you put in your hours, you go home, you don't think about it afterwards. But I feel like people in gaming, especially, they're thinking about their game almost all the time. Uh, and any feedback can almost be soul crushing. Um, so how, how do you, as I guess, as a person, even beyond just a product marketing manager, manage that? Because I feel like at times that might be a little bit, I, I know, I we're at the studio together. I know there are days where, you see the feedback and you're like, oh man, like we tried so hard and this is how we're reacting. So how do you deal with that? 
Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that the product is a job, I was thinking, no, I've never not <laughs> thought about the game after work. Right. Um, but I, yeah, it is. It's so hard not to. I mean, it's not even that you're taking it personally, but it's it's really hard to not see that as a critique of your performance, as like a critique of your your efforts. Um, and it's the thing is, well, the good thing about being the PMM is that, or being, you know, one of the people on the marketing side is that you see that oftentimes it is a vocal minority. And the thing is, people, it's so much easier for people to give feedback when they're upset. And it's very hard for people to give feedback when or there's no incentive to give feedback when you're not upset. Um, so it, see, seeing the vocal minority side of it has been reassuring. And what I try to do with my teams, I always like remind them, you know, hey, this is like 5% of you know, your player base, which in the grand scheme of things, not a lot. So don't take it personally. Um, and what's that done for me, actually, when I when I give reviews, like I will rev I will positive positively review more now that I know what it's like to see all the right. negative stuff. Um, so for anyone listening, if there's a product that you love, go go give that five star. Make make mm -hmm. some PMMs day. Even pro even podcasts. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe others. If you want to pop five in, there, five star review. Hey, really really help uh, Abby and I get through these tough days. <laughs> Right on. Okay, so I've got one more question before I get into my closing question. Um, mm. So, you know, when it comes to, to your customers or your players, really, do you approach segmentation and personas in the same way, let's say a product marketer in the B2B space would, or does it look slightly different because it's, like you said, you have the genre, then you have the IP and fans of that IP are different from the people who might be fans of that genre and all that can get kind of mixed. So what does segmentation look like on your side of things? Yeah, it's it's fairly similar to B2B, um, I would say. I think the one difference is that we might be more aggressive in our primary, secondary, tertiary audience. Um, and we know that can help us, you know, the game team, product marketing included, build features that relate specifically to that, like primary, secondary, tertiary. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, we do, the first thing that I do is build out my segments, um, you know, I know that for some of the games that I, I build, you have your game segment, um, your game audience segment. But for me, my marketing segment might look a little bit different. Segment very similarly to uh, other industries. Um, it just means the way the the way we execute and prioritize might change, and then we also have to be flexible and agile enough to see how our performance is over time, and then maybe switch it up again for in time for the next update and try to reevaluate there. So it isn't something that's going to be like it is locked in terms of you know the macro level, but in terms of execution, it might change from day to day. Right on, great. All right, Abby, we got our last question here, and it's one that we like to ask all of our guests uh, on the show. On the show. Um, so what advice or tips would you have for people looking to get into or build their career in product marketing? That's a really good question. I would say, honestly, I think for me, had I known about PMMs as a, as a job earlier on, I would have probably sought out more roles and projects that will put me right in the crosshairs of everyone. So what I mean by this is that if you're looking to get into product marketing, you find projects that are going to leverage uh, you talking to people from various disciplines. One of the things that we do the most, especially in games, um, is that you know you have to be able to talk to a product manager, talk to a creative director, talk to a marketing artist who is working on 3D software and is going to give you very, very specific technical things that you might not know anything about. Um, you know, Just talk to as many people as possible and try to take on projects that um, are cross-collaborative uh, because that is a skill that is severely, I think, uh, underestimated in terms of PMMs. Like, what we do the most is to try to bring all the disciplines together to communicate like a single message out, which is so difficult. So if you have projects that you can um, 
can share that you've worked with many people with, uh, that would be a great foot in the door for product marketing. Uh, and if you want to get into games, I would say, honestly, play games, play a lot of games and be ready to talk to death about your favorite game. I think that's like, I've never had a question. Uh, I never had an interview in games where we didn't talk about like one of many games that we're playing. And that's actually what makes the interview really fun because you're just talking about something that you love to do, right? Which is play play games. So um, play as many games as possible and you know understand what it is that game is trying to sell you. What are they talking to you about? How do they talk to you? How do they talk to the naysayers? And just be ready to talk about that and pay attention to that because that is uh, what you would hopefully be doing in your career as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you have the nail on the head when it comes to that shared passion. I think of any of the industry that I know I've worked in working in games was the easiest to just to get comfortable with people because like you said, you all have that shared passion interest. And at the same time, I think that shared interest, I think makes our lives as product marketing managers that much easier because like you said, you have to be in the middle. But if you're starting from that place of, of commonality where everyone has that same passion, it, it approaches those conversations with teams that maybe you've never interacted with before. Maybe you've you know, you've, you don't even know what they do. Like you can at least start from somewhere where you all yeah. understand. And I think that's advice any product marketing manager can apply in all their industries. If you're, if you're working with people across these different functions or teams, look for the things that everyone's going to have in common with one another. So you can start from that shared place of, of understanding and, and shared interest or passion. And that way, you know, whether it's a project, whether it's the first time starting at a new organization, it just, I think, bridges that gap and makes that first interaction that much easier. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's some phenomenal advice. So thank you for sharing that, Abby. No problem. Awesome. So with that, we're we're all set. So you know, I loved catching up with you, Abby. I know, like we said before we started recording, it's been a while since we chatted, um, but it's great catching up with you. I'm sure our listeners, even if they are casual players of games, learned a ton, and all of our product marketing, um, you know, listeners, I'm sure took a ton away from this conversation. So thanks so much for your time and for your insights. Oh no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Take care, Abby. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.